Welcome to Elemental Talks, the podcast that connects marketing, design, and development experts to help you build better websites. Yuval Keshtecher is a UX and graphic designer who has kept himself busy over the last few years with developing a UX writing hub. This hub is a one-stop shop for online UX writing resources, providing in-depth education, articles, workshops, courses, and more for UX writers and product teams from all over the world. On our podcast, Yuval talks about the rise of UX writing. What is UX writing? He explains how this unique type of copy differs from other types of writing. He also delves into why designers still hesitate to use WordPress. Hello and welcome to another Elementor Talks. And with me, as always, is Matan. Hi, Matan. Hi, Ben. And our guest today is Yuval Keshtecher. Did I say it right? Say it right? Yes. Welcome, welcome, Yuval. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So, uh, Yuval, uh, tell us, uh, what led you to develop an online course about UX writing? Okay, so my background is in uh, product design. Um, and if we need to go a little bit more uh, to the past, so I started as a graphic designer. And uh, at some point, I did the transitions to be a UX designer. I worked with... Um, a few startups, a few companies such as uh, SodaStream, for example, created their e-commerce store. Before getting in, inside uh, working with those big companies, big startups, yes. what is the difference exactly between graphic design and UX design? What made it for our listeners who are curious about that? So basically when you're uh, designing user experience, it's not only about how it looks, but about what is the experience for the end user. which means your process starts with research, you speak with users, you're doing users inter- user interviews, uh, you define the persona, you do a competitor analysis and understand exactly what is the problem that you're trying to solve. After you're doing the research, you define what's going to be the experience for your users and you're not doing it using graphics only, you're doing it using, you're doing it, basically you need to plan your uh, interface. So you start with, you're doing a sitemap and you define the task flows that you need to do. You create hierarchy of what is the features that your users need to have in the interface. And when you plan it, then you work on uh, designing the user interface. That sounds really logical. Does, does this mean that UX design is basically the the in an you know in a utopian world will all design be uh, UX design or is there still a place for just graphic design first of all to answer this question we need to um, redefine the term that we call design so design basically is about solving an existing problem uh, and it's nothing about making stuff pretty Okay, and a lot of people don't understand that it's not about keeping it aesthetic and making stuff pretty. Design is about finding the right solution for, for a problem that you want to solve. Tinder solves the problem for people that are looking for dates. Booking.com solves the problem of people that want to book their next uh, hotel in their next vacation. Airbnb solves the problem of people that want to rent a vacation apartment or host uh, people. And that's the problem that they solve. User experience is about, uh, first of all, 
understanding what is the problem that we're trying to solve and then think about a creative way to solve it. And uh, going back to a question about UX writing, so UX writing is solving that problems using, using more text and microcopy and content rather than visuals. And that's what UX writing is all about. So going back to the story, your journey, basically, yes. uh, you reached that point that you told us about uh, SodaStream. So back when you worked for SodaStream, was that uh, still UX design? Were you already incorporating UX writing too? Uh, this one of the places that you learned that there's a need for UX writing? So the need came much before that. Basically, when I started my journey with UX design, I figured out that I need to learn more about the type of content there is uh, out there. And, and I've listened to many podcasts about design and about content strategy and uh, all of those things. And I understood that there isn't a lot of content about that topic. It's really important to say that I'm not a UX writer. I'm a product designer which means I love to work with UX writers and I know how to uh, train them. But my training program was built by many talented people that are UX writers. They aren't me. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a, a native English speaker uh, and it will be very presumptuous uh, for me to teach uh, writers how to write microcopy if I'm not a native English speaker. That's why I hired UX writers to, to do it for me. And in order to get in the UX writer, to be involved more in the UX writers uh, community, I three years ago I created the Facebook group named Microcopy and UX Writing when I understood that there is need for UX writers, but nobody released any content about it. So I was just posting in that Facebook group every piece of content I could possibly find about UX writing. So I was searching all over the web for content that's related to UX writing, and I've published it in the Facebook group. When I saw an interesting article by an uh, interesting author, so I invited that author to my uh, Facebook community, and that's how we grow and build the whole program. And if we need to go back uh, for why the program even started, is because that I started the Facebook group at many different, many people, after the Facebook group exploded with people, now we have almost uh, 6,000 people. So many people asked me for a UX writing training program. And uh, after more than 20 people asked for that program, I decided to stop with client work and go and try to do for this crazy adventure of creating the first UX writing training program in the world, basically. That brings us to the point that we would like to ask you, what would be the difference between UX writing mm -hmm. and copywriting? All right, so that's a good question. It's a question that um, is very similar to what's the difference between a graphic designer and the UX designer. So it's all about the process, first of all. The process of the UX writer starts with understanding how to interact with users and and, and, and it's much more about web copy and product copy and working with product designers and front-end developers. This is what the UX writer do. Writing copy for interfaces and products. Copywriter uh, is writing copy for uh, ads and uh, maybe you can uh, take an article and create it much more appealing to the reader. 
But I would say that copywriter is involved in much more uh, marketing aspects of, of those kind of processes rather than a UX writer that is more about making a product usable, making the product accessible, clear, concise. So does it mean that usually UX writing copy would be shorter? Shorter than what a copywriter... Not necessarily. Not necessarily. No? It's not that the UX writer writes a short copy and that's about it. You can write onboarding that, that is going to be super long, but the fact that the onboarding process is very clear, it makes the product much more usable and the learning curve became much easier for the end user. And with using text, you make the product much more usable for the end user. And uh, it was nothing about marketing and it was nothing about uh, selling anything. It was just about making the end user understand the product better and how to use it. I think, yeah, it's interesting as a profession that it seems to be evolving uh, that understanding that every product that you have, it's not... Uh, a simple matter that you need to have uh, you know a marketing guy writing the landing pages and so- someone writing the the, um, uh, the the blog you you also have to put may- maybe even more emphasis on the onboarding process we see a lot of companies elementary is doing it and uh, a lot of major startups are definitely uh, doing this there's the, this blog user on board and that I, I love is he's doing a great job. Samuel Yulik is a great uh, that's a great blog. I take a lot of inspiration from that blog and uh, you talk about companies that have great onboarding uh, experience. So I have to mention Slack. Slack is one of my all-time favorite uh, um, onboarding uh, writing. So uh, if I'm let's say I'm a, r- a blogger or uh, some sort of writer how what are the first steps I can do to get started in this uh, evolving uh, besides you know uh, signing up for your course like what's uh, what's the first steps so uh, first of all I would never say to anyone uh, sign up for my course and you will know all this all the secrets that we have the community I've been sharing uh, their content for free for many years already and the, and the course is for very specific people and that uh, are serious enough to take this uh, as a profession. And as I said before, not everybody can get into the course. That's why we have such a long waiting list and only 15 people every time that actually participate, participating in the course. The tip that I have for people that are UX beginners, whether if it's uh, UX designers or whether if it's UX writers, it will be take an existing problem. take a product that you use on a daily basis we all use dig- digital products all the time and see which kind of usability problem that product have do you know when you have your favorite app but sometimes you think to yourself mm, I would definitely do something different here so I would recommend for someone that want to get into the field start having that mindset of solving problems for end users and And as a beginning, it will be a very interesting idea to be in the shoes of that end user and start solving problems of apps that you personally use. Whether uh, if it's using uh, better microcopy and whether if it's using better um, design. 
not aesthetic design, but different user flows or adding more text to make everything a little bit more clear or changing the text completely because it wasn't clear that if you press this button, the next page will appear and so on and so on. Hmm. Make sense? Make sense? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the waiting list for your course. This wa waiting list, uh, what does it consist of? Wh who are the people who come in the waiting or sign up? Sign up for your course. So basically, so the audience of the course. Uh, so basically, we focus on two different personas. The one would be freelance writer or a copywriter that want to learn more about UX writing, that want to get into this evolving field. Many companies today hire a UX writer. You can see Netflix, Amazon, Dropbox, and Booking. Booking have 50 UX writers today. Many companies hire writers, so there is a lot of people that have background with writing and they want to learn more about UX writing. And that's exactly what uh, my course teach today. Why do Booking.com need so many writers? What makes the, the experience there of the website visit that they need so many uh, UX writers? I don't know if it's a secret or not. No, but uh, <laughs> basically, no, I... I published an article about it. You can uh, add it to the show notes. I interviewed the senior UX writer of uh, Booking, Chris. It was a really cool article. Booking are pioneers when it comes to uh, testing copy. Basically, they are running hundreds of tests, tests simultaneously at the same time uh, of copy. And uh, they know that uh, writing better copy improves the conversion and the retention of using their products of making more um, users booking using their app so they are doing a lot of a b testing and also in addition to those testing that they have using internal tools that they are using they have people that localize their content okay so localization is also a very interesting ux writing practice because let's say for example that you have google in english and you have google in hebrew or in Spanish, right? So it will be very different approach to make that product accessible to people that are native English native English speakers or native Hebrew speakers. So booking.com have also people that speaks many different languages and localize their content so it will be more accessible and localized to people from all over the world. So I, I want to transition the topic a bit because uh, you personally you made a, a very quick uh, transition from your being a designer to running your own course, and I think a part of it was uh, you kind of knew what it what it took in terms of marketing to get published on uh, whether it's a Medium or Prototyper and, and other major uh, p publications. Mm -hmm. Uh, so how did that UX Studio, I think, also its name? UX Studio, UX. the Hungarian uh, yeah. agency? Yeah. I don't think they publish my stuff. UX? UXdesign.cc? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. White design. Polar Bear, bear yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. UXdesign.cc, which is great. a great, great website. Yes. Uh, so how did that came to be? Like, what was your strategy and uh, how did it happen? All right. So when that's a good question. <laughs> So first of all, there was a, a mission. And the mission was to create great content for the UX writing community and then to reach as many people as possible. 
So um, I figure out that the best way to enrich my community with amazing content is to just interview people from the industry and make that content accessible about what's the processes of companies like Booking, PayPal, Google, uh, Fiverr, and so on. There is a series of articles uh, we can add it to the show notes as well. And I figure out that it's not only for the uh, community to have that s- information, but many other people in the world need to know needs to know about about those processes. And um, it was just like uh, I understood that we have here great content, and publications have an interest to have great content. So I just um, if you go to Medium to the publication page. You can actually sub- submit your uh, article, and if it's good enough in the editor's opinion, they will definitely publish your articles. I just think that uh, to take action and to actually do it takes the what it it's what it takes and what most people don't do. But if you have a content that you're working on, definitely don't be afraid to submit it to the famous publications because great content is great content, and people always thirsty for that kind of content. And did did you have an initial uh, success from the start, or did it take uh, like a few articles until you were noticed and kind of uh, lifted off? Uh, to me, it feels like the UX writing articles wasn't a success uh, story at all. Uh, I had another article I wrote. It was maybe the first article I published on Medium. Uh, in which I compared different uh, UI design tools. I published it in 2017. And um, SEO-wise, that's the most successful article that I ever published. It got uh, organically more than 300,000 uh, entries. A- and that's what made me realize that uh, I can create great content that people care about. So that's why I did a series of interviews that wasn't as successful as that, or like that article. But relatively, it was... Not bad. I have approximately around um, 5,000 to 10,000 uh, reads for every article of the UX writing series. Organically-wise, the most successful one was the one about UI tools. Yes. And that actually leads me to the next question. Yes. This is more of our curiosity, and this is something that we ask most of our interviewees usually. Mm-hmm. What are the tools, your favorite tools that you use? Like your uh, working stack? Yeah. Yeah. It depends <laughs> on what are we talking. Because uh, as an entrepreneur and a marketing person, I would have this set of tools. Like my uh, mailing tool would be ActiveCampaign. Um, WordPress is where my uh, framework that my uh, website is on. I like Zapier, even I haven't explore this full uh, potential yet. Typeform is one of my favorites and I like to integrate it with uh, Google Sheets and then collect valuable data from from my uh, readers, from my students. You actually mentioned that you work with Slack, using Slack with your students, yes. so you have direct access, right? Yes, so basically Me and my students have our own um, Slack channel. We have different groups on our Slack channel uh, in which we pick each other's brain and share inspiration and share even uh, jobs and projects. And um, 
We have even tasks in the training program in which we ask from the users, from the students, to post it on a Slack group and to comment each other. So we create kind of experience of a, of a peer-to-peer class and not as a one-sided learning experience in which I'm trying to avoid that kind of experience. I'm trying to communicate between all of the students. And if we're talking about design tools and not marketing tools or uh, content marketing tools, so in order to plan um, different flows for my websites, uh, I, love, I love to use Whimsical. Whimsical is a really cool tool to create kind of sitemaps and task flows. And even if I'm creating marketing funnels, so Whimsical is a great tool um, and very visual way to drag and drop uh, your uh, vision. Um, and if you're talking about proper UI design tools, um, my all-time favorite at the moment is Sketch um, with different uh, plugins like Zeppelin and sending it using Craft to Envision. That's the what I've been working for, on for the past two years. Many uh, product teams today are doing the transition right now to Figma because Figma is a collaborative design tool and um, it's on the cloud, so many people uh, think that's the best solution for um, design teams. And, but if you compare between Figma, Adobe XD, and uh, Sketch, the UI of those tools is almost identical, and uh, as long as you're using one of those as a UI designers, uh, you're good to go. Um, if you are looking for a tool for version control for Sketch, uh, I would go for abstract. Um, I wrote a tutorial about it. If uh, you want, you can look for it. That's about design tools. Yeah, well, there are quite a few of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm a product designer. I need to master my craft, right? For writing, any anything? For writing, I'm using uh, first of all Grammarly. is my uh, is one of my favorites. Google Docs, very simple. The fact that you can share with someone and you can both write in the same file. It's uh, um, like Figma is the, um, they say that Figma is the Google Docs of the designers. So Google Docs is amazing for writers. And by the way, I believe that um, Figma would be also a great tool for UX writers because it will allow the writers to be involved in the design process from the very beginning, just to go inside of the design tool and start writing the microcopy of the interface. So I believe that uh, more and more writers will use uh, Figma in the near future. You have all different kinds of experiences of uh, small tools, mini tools that people are trying to use for uh, microcopy, like microcopy generators and uh, tools that you could change the copy inside of the website. But um, we're not quite uh, there. So if you know a tool like that that works great, let me know and I will definitely start using it. So you, you're doing a lot of things, and it, this uh, relates to another question that I had. It's, uh, I mean, there's similarity because Elementor as a tool is also uh, a tool that uh, we're trying to cater to various audiences, uh, especially marketers, designers, developers, and entrepreneurs. So um, you wrote about full st- the, the full-stack designer. So what does it mean and how, how do you uh, juggle all those skills and, and you know, not become you know, jack of, of uh, all trades and master of none? 
So that's an article from 2017, I think, right? Great. <laughs> I'm happy that you <laughs> mentioned it. Um, so back then, I studied front-end uh, development. And I had an hypothesis back then that it's not enough to be a graphic designer, it's not enough to be a user interface designer. We need to know, we need to expand our skill set, uh, which is still uh, an opinion that I'm holding today. But back then, I thought that it would be a good idea to learn front-end development. And in the article, I've talked about how I have an opinion about uh, designers that uh, need to learn to code. Today, I think that my, I don't think, my, my opinion has changed. And I don't believe that it's the designer's role to develop. But I do think that designers must learn how front-end developers think and how they operate. And I think that the front-end developers and the, de and the designers must have a mutual relationship so they could save time and save money, okay? Yeah. Because sometimes designers create these crazy interfaces and then the front-end developer is like, you, no, can't, you, can't do that. you can't do that. It will take us uh, six months and we don't have that time. Yeah, and I think one of the major reasons that they need to understand, to start being familiar with, not actually hand coding, but being familiar with this world, is it helps them to choose the right tool. Because if they're just going through the, the, you know, the zeitgeist of what designers like, they might not end up with uh, WordPress. And this brings me to my next question is like, there's, today there's still a shyness of some web designers from using uh, WordPress. So what are the, what do you think are the reasons for that? And uh, we, I mean, one of our missions is to, you know, bring more people, including designers, uh, to use WordPress. Uh, so what do you think about that? All right, so I think that the reason that uh, designers don't use uh, WordPress today is because of uh, technical limitations. There isn't a replacement for a designer and developer working together on an experience when everything is much more flexible and you can play around with more uh, options than the limitations of WordPress. But if you are a designer that's familiar with the framework of WordPress or with the framework of Elementor or with the fr framework of any different uh, tools that we have today and we have many tools that trying to solve the problem of uh, designing a website without code so you would have a success i chose to build my website in wordpress and it has tons of benefits uh, mainly because of a very accessible cms system that allows me to publish my blog post very quickly once the website was designed and wordpress could be a great solution but for very specific uh, needs. A lot of times, you know, people are thinking, okay, we are a startup company, we need to develop uh, a product right now from scratch, so they think that uh, their website should be also using uh, vanilla JavaScript or, or not using uh, WordPress or that kind of stuff, but uh, usually when it comes to simple landing page or a simple present the website before they go into the product, I would definitely recommend to go with WordPress. Once they register, then you can go to the, to the complications of the product that you're developing. But uh, the, I think that the first 
interaction with the user definitely can be WordPress or uh, one of those tools that uh, all of us know. Okay, before wrapping up this uh, interview, this podcast episode, where can our listeners uh, find you online? These days I'm writing a weekly newsletter every Wednesday at 10 in the morning. I really recommend to follow everything that's going on in the UX Writing Hub. Big stuff is coming. We're planning a convention in Europe in 2020. UXWritingHub.com, yeah. And... Um, You can always add me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. And uh, you can join the Facebook group as well. A lot of talented people and great discussions on that uh, Facebook group. So thanks, Yuval, and uh, our audience. And thank you, Matan. Thank you, Ben. Bye, everyone. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.